Second Peter. Second Peter. Chapter one. And I'll go ahead and tell you we're getting to the really good part. Not that the first part hadn't been good, but we get to the really good part. Peter writes, beginning verse 12, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet or necessary as long as I am in this tabernacle. You say, what tabernacle? Is he in a tent? No, he's in a body. This earthly, fleshly tabernacle. As long as I am in this body to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle. Even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Peter says, I know, Lord's already showed me, I'm not going to live till Jesus comes back. I'm going to die, it won't be very long. But I want you to remember some things. I want you not just to remember them, I want you to be stirred about them. We've come to the point in our Society and our culture where we are totally entertainment oriented. Okay? If we wanted to draw a crowd on Wednesday night, all we'd have to do is have somebody skydive into our parking lot or have a balloon glow. You say, Brother Casey, we, wouldn't, we couldn't do that. Uh, yeah, I have a friend in St. Louis who has a hot air balloon. He'd bring it down, set it up, blow it up. <coughs> Not blow it up, blow it up, but fill it. Without air. You know what I meant. Okay? We could have a balloon glow. Okay? And people would come. Peter said, I want you to be stirred up when you remember some things. And I want you to, I want you to, I want to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. When I was young, I didn't really understand all that. But I'm old now, okay? When I was young, my parents would go to visit people. And the old people, you know, people in their 30s and above, would sit in the house, in the living room, and talk about stuff that happened way back in the old days, okay? And if we kids did not get to go outside and play, we would sit there bored out of our minds, I mean, oh, and in fact, after you've been bored for several minutes, you begin looking for something to entertain you. And Ron would find things like pinching me or kicking me, you know, and that'd be fine until I responded. And then I'd always be the one to get in trouble and he'd get by with it. You know, no air conditioning or hot that's right. No air conditioning, you know, in the cars or in the houses. And our grandmother's house had. 12-foot ceilings, and breezes blowing through the house all the time. But uh, everybody we visited wasn't like that. 
And these people would just sit around and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. I think, oh, please, I'd rather be riding in that hot car than sitting here listening to the people talk and talk and talk. Because they never did talk about anything important. They're always talking about things that happened a long time ago. And now I'm old. And I know why they do it. Okay? Because they can't remember anything that happened yesterday. They have to go back and remember stuff that happened when they were young. And so they bring it up. And, and now they can laugh about it. Back then, you didn't laugh about whatever was going on. But now you can look back and you can laugh because you lived through it, you know. And, uh, and, and that's kind of what Peter's saying here. He's saying, I know I'm not going to live very long, but... I want to help you to remember some things so you'll get stirred up again. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease, that's another word for death, okay? After my death, to have these things always in remembrance. Always remember these things. For we've not followed cunningly devised fables. Okay? Now it was pretty obvious that the, the early Christians, the early church, did not follow cunningly devised fables. I mean, would you be willing to be put to death for saying that somebody rose from the dead when you knew that somebody just stole their body and buried them somewhere else? No, I mean, when it came right down to it, you would say, okay, 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 we lied. Okay? That's getting easier and easier for me to say when I lie. Linda Crump jumped me right before church because I told her something we both knew wasn't true. But I didn't know she didn't. I didn't know she knew that I knew it wasn't true. And uh, Just kidding. But, Peter says, I know I'm going to die. And it's going to be soon. Now, do you know how Peter died? The Romans, he, Romans said, we're going to crucify you. And Peter said, I am not worthy to be crucified in the same manner as my Lord. And so, if you're going to crucify me, crucify me upside down. So not only was his diaphragm paralyzed, but he couldn't push off of his feet to catch his breath because he was hanging upside down and he suffocated to death, nailed to this cross, all the blood rushing to his head. And Peter says, we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I've made known to you his power because he has the power to save. He has the power to forgive. I think I mentioned, no, maybe I didn't. Yeah, maybe last Wednesday night I mentioned the fact that God never forgives sin. You remember me saying that, okay? But he... He, he always forgives sinners because the sin's been paid for. Okay, that's, that's proof of God's power. His authority. And 
the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whoa, Jesus is coming back. Peter heard him say so. Several times. And Peter said, uh, we, we weren't just following these cunningly devised fables when we said that stuff. And when we told you about it, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Peter says, I was there. I saw him. I saw that empty tomb. I saw those grave clothes laid out there with the napkin folded up. They covered his face, folded up and laid over one side. I saw it. I was there when he showed up in the middle of that upper room and said, Ooh, you guys are having fish. Give me some of that. And he ate fish with us. I saw those holes in his hands. I saw those ragged puncture marks in his scalp where they drove those thorns down into it. Peter says, I was there. I'm an eyewitness. I saw it. I was eyewitness of his majesty. For he received from God, the Father, honor and glory. Peter said, I not only saw him before he was crucified, after he was crucified. I was on the mountain when he and Moses and Elijah sat around talking about his coming death. And what it was going to be like and what was going to be accomplished because of it. Peter said, I was there. And in fact, I was there when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. James and John and I heard it. But we have also a more sure word of prophecy. More sure than an eyewitness account. More sure than a voice speaking from heaven? How much more sure can you get than that? Some. Or he wouldn't have mentioned it. We have a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed. You're going to be, you, you're going to be really smart if you pay attention to this, he says. As unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Very quickly, go with me to Genesis chapter 1. Okay? Genesis chapter 1. Verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. You say, yeah, we knew that. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And the Lord said, excuse me, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God, this is a key verse right here, verse 5. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Evening, morning. Why is that critical? Because we don't do it that way. But God does. See, what do you mean, Brother Casey? When does our day start? 12 o'clock. Midnight. It starts in the dark. 
And then it gets light, and it stays light until about, well, 7.30 it looks like. And then it gets dark again. And so our day starts in the dark and ends in the dark. God said, no, your day starts in the dark and ends in the light. Is that significant? Yeah, because this is kind of a description of human beings and our need for a Savior. We start out in the dark, born in sin. We're without form and void. I mean, we're we're trying to find something that will make us happy. We're trying to find a purpose in life. We're just running around like chickens with our heads cut off. Okay. And by the way, if you've never slaughtered chickens, you have missed a beautiful illustration. You chop a chicken's head off and throw him on the ground, and he will literally run and flop and run and flop and run and flop till his heart finally stops beating. Okay. To prevent that, you chop their heads off and throw them in a five-gallon bucket, and they'll just flop in the bucket. You don't have to chase them. Run them down. Okay. But we start out living our lives that way. You know, Doing, going this way and going that way and, you know, wow, in darkness, without form and void. Darkness is upon the face of the deep in our hearts. I mean, if we have the opportunity to do something evil, something sinful, something wrong, and we don't think we're going to get caught or we don't think anybody's going to find out or we don't think anybody's going to notice, we'll go ahead and choose to do it, won't we? Sure, why? Because we're sinners. See? I'm not just a sinner because I sinned. I sinned because I was a sinner. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. John chapter 1, Jesus Christ was the light. And the light shined in darkness. And when I saw the light and I received Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, all of a sudden, my night ended. And I started the day. And my day is not going to end in darkness again. No, you can't be lost and get saved and be lost again. No, if you lost and you get saved, you're saved until the end at sundown. And then the evening and the morning start the next day. And that's what Jesus, that's what God says here. The evening and the morning were the first day. More sure word of prophecy. We saw it in the creation. We see it in the world around us. So many incredible illustrations of God's love for us and how that He doesn't want us walking in darkness. In fact, even in the night, he created the lights, the moon and the stars. Now, the moon doesn't have any light of its own. It's reflected light. You say, well, is that significant? Yeah, because I live in a world of darkness and I don't have any light of my own. I have to live so that I reflect the light of the Lord Jesus Christ through my life so that people are drawn to it. Man. I mean, you have an outside light, and, you, and especially in the summertime, you go out there and things are attracted to the light. Bugs everywhere. Even bugs are attracted. 
to light. I'm reminded of the cartoon where the pastor's sitting in his office and his secretary's right outside, the door's open, and she's got a telephone in her hand. She's got the, the mouthpiece covered, and she says, Pastor, there's a guy on here from National Enquirer who wants to get a picture of a Christian on fire for God. Okay, literally on fire for God. And I saw it, and I started to laugh, and I thought, and then I thought, wow. You think maybe even people who read National Enquirer needs to see the light of the gospel? You say, don't you like the National Enquirer? No, I do. It's some of the finest fiction written. You can't get a job at the National Enquirer without a, a, a degree in creative writing. And it's got to be really creative. That's first Peter, second Peter, excuse me. We have a more sure word of prophecy whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart. Knowing this first. Okay? If you don't ever learn anything else, you know this first. That no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. I heard somebody say several weeks ago that I have received a prophecy from God. Okay? My first thought was, okay, let's hear it. My second thought was, you got one year for this prophecy to become true, and if it doesn't happen within the next year, then we have the right to stone you to death. Because that's what the Bible says about false prophets. They got one year, and then they get stoned if the prophecy doesn't come true. Okay? I was also reminded of the service where a guy gets up on one side, and he, and he says, I have a word from the Lord. And he begins to tell what he thinks that the Lord has revealed to him. And he gets all finished. And uh, guy on the other side stood up, and he said, Thus saith the Lord. That wasn't me. <laughs> when you decide to speak for God, you better know it's God talking. And <clears throat> Peter says, we have this more sure word of prophecy, and no prophecy is of private interpretation. It's not just what you think. No. For prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. I mean, you can't dream it up. You can't make it up. You can't meditate long enough for it to come to you. I don't care how good you are at saying, um, the whole time you're concentrating on your middle, your center, okay? Which happens to be just behind your belly button, okay? How do you know this stuff? I read all the time, and and these Eastern transcendental meditation things, those people are like way off the wall, way out in left field. But I understand, because if you choose not to believe the more sure word of prophecy, it's not that you won't believe anything, it's that you will believe anything. 
anything else. If you don't believe the Bible, you're going to be open to everything. And that's exactly what happens. But if we believe the Bible, we better get started being obedient to it. We better get started living our lives according to it. The prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now the word move there comes from the Greek word that means carried along. Okay? What's that mean? That means the Holy Spirit told them what to write, gave them the power and the strength to write it, and made sure they didn't make mistakes. That's what it means. If I had been going to Chattanooga, Tennessee at the age of three by myself, which was an impossibility because they wouldn't even let me cross the street by myself. But you know, you know the story about the little boy who ran away from home and packed all this stuff in a paper sack and got a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And that afternoon, he's still going around and around the block. And one of his neighbors said, what are you doing? He said, I'm running away from home. And he said, how come you're just going around and around the block? He said, well, because they won't let me cross the street by myself. <laughs> you know, I never would have gotten to Chattanooga, Tennessee. Almost didn't make it by myself when I was 18. Okay. But the first time I went, I didn't have to know how to get there. I was in the back of our new station wagon, stretched out, sleeping, looking out the window every once in a while, watching the <clears throat> dead trees in the swamps of Louisiana go past the window. And then the pine trees in Alabama and Georgia go past the window, you know. I was born along. Guess where I ended up? You're not going to believe this. Chattanooga, Tennessee. Wow. Okay. Here it is. These holy men of God spake as they were born along by the Holy Ghost. That's just the grace of God. And this is that more sure word of prophecy. It's the truth of God. It has been protected, preserved, and praise God, translated into English. Greek is very, very difficult language to learn. I spent six semesters, and I still don't know it all. I just know where to find out what I need to know. Okay? But Hebrew, wow! That'll, like, burn your mind out. <laughs> Mine, at least. So God had it translated into English. Very carefully. And he sent these wonderful, wonderful women along. Like my mother. And Mrs. Meadows. Mrs. Oh, forgot her name. To teach me how to read English. But now I'm responsible for knowing and believing and reading the Word of God. See, I lived in darkness. 
until I recognized that I was a sinner, dying, going to hell, if something didn't happen. And the day began to arise. The light of the Word of God began to shine in my heart. And I asked Jesus to forgive me and save me. And he did it. Of course, the very next chapter begins. But there were false prophets. We'll talk about those next time. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for your precious word. Lord, thank you for the incredible illustrations, many that we don't ever pay attention to, but illustrations of your love for us and your desire for us to see the light, walk in the light, as you're in the light, so that we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, your Son, cleanses us from all sin. Thank you so much for that. Dismiss us with your love. Bring us back safely on Sunday. And dear Lord, again, we pray for each of the prayer requests. And we thank you for each of the praises. And we ask your will to be done. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. God bless you.